You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. And it is a year to the day since Pellegrini came into the club. Gents, how's he done? What an anniv- week of anniversaries. You had Mark Noble's birthday last, last week and now we've got Manuel Pellegrini at the helm for a year. I think it's fantastic. I've been saying it all season and I'll carry on saying it. For the foreseeable, I think Pellegrini's the best thing about the club at the moment. I don't disagree with that. I think when we appointed him this time last year, I mean, it was about a week or ten days leading up to it, where we kind of knew he was the man that they that they picked, and that the general feeling was that finally we've got a manager at the helm that can, you know, that has that experience, you know, that track record, and you know, that that ambition to be able to take the club forward for many years particularly with the stadium move as well you know there was a lot of a lot of moaning from the fans and you know we need a big name manager we need someone that you know can really get you know, get on board with the ambition that the club says that they've got and then you know then suddenly we've got David Moyes in charge I know that was a, <laughs> it was a it was a it was a weird appointment midway through the season needed someone to keep us up so I don't really blame the board for for bringing in David Moyes but we needed someone better someone with a little bit more caliber behind them and Pellegrini was that man he'd won the Premier League you know, he'd been in charge of Real Madrid. Um, you know, he, he had all that calibre behind him. And, you know, I think given what he inherited, I think he'd, he's done a brilliant job in his first year. For all of that pedigree, there was a bit of a wobble and there might have been a bit of a worry. He spent a lot of money, but the start to the season was very, very poor in the Premier League. Did either of you have a moment where you thought, hang on a minute, have we been sold a dud here? Nah, not really. Nah. Not after four games. I mean, the first one was Liverpool away, so that's a defeat, hands down. Anyway, but I, I always just think I was same as James, really. And I know you were talking about there about managers we'd had in the past. I think the most important thing about Pellegrini, and it's the first time it had happened at West Ham for a very long time, was we had a manager who I think, if you ask most fans now, if they would be happy with him at the helm in five years' time. I would say, yes, see no problem with that. The football's been nicer to watch. People have actually enjoyed going to the ground and watching us play, although there's been some frustrating inconsistencies. The football is better. He tries to play a more attractive way. And under Moyes and Allardyce, people are just so fed up of going to watch the games every week. Even if we did win, it was normally ugly. And if you'd asked anyone at that time, oh, would you be happy with either of these at the helm in five years? The answer would have been a resounding no. Yeah, I don't disagree. Again, um, we've got we've got someone in charge that has the ability to take us forward. Um, when you say he's got the ability to take you forward, James, how far can Pellegrini take the club? Well, I see no reason why he can't he can't get us into Europe. 
I see no reason why not. He's got a three-year contract, I believe, and you know he's got two more years on that. If he if he has a good season next year with a little bit more backing in in, in the summer coming up, then you know we should be challenging for for Europe in some capacity next season. If he can get into Europe, then I I, I genuinely believe that he can take us somewhere. I, I I believe that he can win us a trophy. I think this year was there were there were aspects of this season where it was a transitional season. It was. So there was so much change in the summer. So you could kind of forgive him for losing the first four games, trying to work out what the players wanted. A pre-season is not enough for a new manager that's brought in a whole new team, wants to put a whole new style of football on a on a team that has technically played long ball for five, six, seven years. Mm. So I know under Bilic it was a little bit different for eighteen months, but even then, towards the end of his tenure, it was you know the, the style of football wasn't great because he was getting a little bit desperate. So. Yeah, you know, we got to give him a little bit, yeah, you know, a little bit of credit for for coming in and and inheriting what was a a mess, really, yeah, yeah. and turning it into a club that's finished in the top ten of the Premier League. Okay, the cup competitions could have been a lot better, and we expected a lot better, um, and we should have done a lot better, really. Um, but I think I think every West Ham fan out there, bar one or two, because there's always one or two, will be really really happy with the job that he's done, and will be happy with the way. The way the the out, the future looks for the club, because you know it's been a, it's been a while since we've gone into a new season. Okay, apart from this time last year when you know it was all exciting because we just appointed him, but actually quite excited about what the future holds for the club. Mm, no, definitely, I, and I feel that at the moment for next year, it's not really everything seems to have been so short term around the club in the yeah. last period of time, doesn't it? You at no one stage did you think when Allardyce or Moyes were appointed. Oh yeah, we could have a we could have a little mini era on our hands here. I know in modern day football you don't get too many eras anyway, and if you stay for four seasons you're a long termer. But for once there's just something people are looking forward and, and not having to worry about it. I almost think what's nice is in the past when you know, when you look at your football club and you tend to look at the worst thing about it, don't you? And the thing that needs immediate improvement. You don't look at what's really good. You just look at, right, the worst thing is, I don't know, it might be the, the pitch, the stadium, the board, the players, the left back, whatever it might be, or the manager. No, Pellegrini's way off of that, isn't he? Mm. With like He's fine. And now people are looking at other areas of the squad. And I think now they're perhaps thinking, well, you know, is because I, I look at it and I think... Pellegrini's pedigree as a manager outranks the board's pedigree as a board, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The problem with that, and I think you're spot on, is that if the board decide that they think he's not on their level, he will go, and there's nothing that he or you as fans can do about it. Is there a worry that there might not be... And this isn't a problem with West Ham. This is the state of modern football that we're now talking about. If he does have a wobble at some point next year, a more serious one than the one at the beginning of this year, might there not be enough patience shown? I don't think we're, we're anywhere close to that point. I think I think for for all the, the, the owners' faults, and the, of which there are many, many, many faults... Um, at the same time, they've they they've generally held off of decisions like that. You know, they they were very you know they were very proud of their track record of not sacking managers before they arrived at the club when they were at Birmingham. I think they sacked one manager in like eighteen years or something crazy like that. Um, they, they're not they're not gonna just make a decision unless it gets terribly bad. And I think with Pellegrini, we've got stability, we've got uh, experience, and um, I think you know we look forward to the future with him. He, of course, managed a 10th place finish in the Premier League. Not bad at all. But what did you expect from him? Is that an overachievement? Is it perhaps an underachievement? I think it's bang on what everyone expected. I I think to a place, that's pretty much what everyone would have been. Yeah, that's that's all right. 10th will take 10th. Like, no one's jumping up and down. Uh, and uh, After weeks ago, we don't, oh, we want 7th. No, but I mean, <laughs> when, he's, when he was appointed at the beginning of the yeah, season, yeah, yeah. obviously you didn't want us to get 7th at all because you hate the Europa League qualifiers. <laughs> but no, I, I think at the beginning of the season, certainly that if someone had said, oh yeah, 10th, everyone would have gone, oh yeah, that's decent. That's good. Especially because I think, and it, I'm glad everyone's forgetting about it, but it was very recent. All that, that stuff at that Burnley game when it was the lowest point I've seen my football club in or at for a, a very, very long time. 
that wasn't that long ago. And to think of where we are now, and not just on the pitch, but the feeling around the club, the feeling among the fans, has been a has been a big and a sizable turnaround in a short space of time. And I think the league position it does reflect that. But if it was eleventh, that's all right. But it's more because there's a general better feeling around the club and looking forward, people are excited, which is a huge achievement given where we were around that Burnley game and the chaos we saw last year. Yeah, tenth for me is brilliant. I think given given the circumstances, um, given the start we had to the season, a lot of people forget that we lost our first four games terribly. Do you give Pellegrini a get-out-of-jail-free card for the start because of those signings, or would you be a bit more critical and say, hang on a minute, you were meant to come in and hit the ground running? No, no, I've always said, and I said at the beginning of the season, during that four-game period, I said at the beginning, I said, no, no, we, we have to be patient with him. He's come in, a new style of play, whole new coaching, uh, coaching setup, uh, 10 new first-team players, uh, a number of players leaving. It was always going to be, you know, it, we, we needed to be patient with him. And, you know, eventually our patience paid off. But I think 10th was a realistic, you know, and it, we, we should be quite happy with it. And, you know, I walked into, I, you know, I think it was a, a, about this time last week, maybe just after. In fact, it was actually last Thursday I got into work and I had a nosebleed when I got into work. And someone quite uh, quite wittingly said, "Oh, it's because West Ham finished in the top half of the table for once." <laughs> and um, and yeah, I, thought, I, I can't even can't even disagree with that. That's probably why. Just quickly on those four games, Johnny, and it, it is quite an easy one. You think, "Oh, oh, that's worrying." We had Liverpool away and Arsenal away, and what I remember saying it. We also had Wolves at home. We lost one nil to them and lost at home to Bournemouth. Bournemouth is well, a Wolves bad was a game. last minute. That's it. A last-minute goal as well, wasn't it? But I remember saying at the time, everyone was sort of kicking off about it at the time. So first of all, sorry, Arsenal and Liverpool away. We rarely get results there, so that's sort of... We would have lost those two games in any season. It just happened there at the beginning. But the Wolves result, I remember saying at the time, I've said it all season, I just remember saying, you know what, later in the season, this won't seem like such a bad result. But everyone was kicking off because they'd just come up from the Championship. Oh, we should be putting them to the sword. And we did give them a game. We weren't thrashed. It was just 1-0. Mm. But as you're saying, after their performances against particularly the top six, by the way, no shame at all in losing yeah. 1-0 to Wolves. And I think that's a really interesting point generally, Will, about hindsight. Because when you're able to look at this campaign as a whole, Pellegrini has done a good job. It's a very good start. Coming up, what were the highs? What were the lows? And what does the Argentine need to do next to kick on to the next level? This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. And gents, we're talking Pellegrini. It's a year to the day since he came into the club. And I want to hear now about your highs and lows with him as a boss. Now, I'm not talking about your highs and lows of the season. I'm talking about moments, perhaps managerial decisions, where you look at the gaffer individually and say you got that spot on or actually, Manuel, that one is a bit dodgy. Okay, well, my one isn't an actual particular moment, but there is one thing for me that stands out about Pellegrini that Mm. I love about him loads. And it's been a bit of a a topic of debate between me and James whole season. But this big team mentality, I think it's brilliant. And I know that James doesn't want to to hear words, I want to see actions, but I think it can only start with words and even just saying it repeatedly it eventually like bleeds into the psyche and it might not happen overnight but i really like that idea and you know obviously if he's still saying it in five seasons time and we're still coming 13th <laughs> then yeah it's different then there's it a g- meme in there isn't there waiting oh, to happen time. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just lying there under the yeah. surface yeah. give it a couple of years when man, we're right? 18th in the relegation <laughs> zone this big team mentality but i know i love it i think it's i think it's excellent because that's that's what we're supposed to be doing that's what we got sold the dream of the stadium for remember like that's what we've got remember right give up your spiritual home fans but in return the football will be better your club will be competing on in higher planes of english and european football that was the deal at the moment we haven't had the deal and but pellegrini coming in and talking about that i really like it and i do 
I think if that seeps in a bit more and we start to see that come to fruition and the consist the inconsistencies that have frustrated people this season start to drop out, then I think happy days. Hmm, that's an interesting point. James, what's your high point for Pellegrini? I just want to say before I get onto that, that I hate the big team mentality. <laughs> no, I mean, the first time I heard the big, mentality, uh, big team mentality, I was like, breath of fresh air. You know, we want a manager to come in and go, I want, I want this team to play like a big team. And then we kept hearing it, and we kept hearing it. And then I think we heard it after we got beat by uh, Cardiff or something. <laughs> and it was like, look, Manuel, like, shut up now. Like, <laughs> we're not ready for that yet. Clearly, we're not ready for that yet. You know, okay, yeah, we heard it after we beat Man United. We heard it after we beat Arsenal. But, you know, don't don't talk to me about big team mentality after you've lost to Cardiff 2-0 away. <laughs> no, but it's like, more... Let's stop that. It's more prevalent then, isn't it? Because that's when... That's what he means. It's like, we, right, we shouldn't be losing to Cardiff. Yeah, but don't lose to Cardiff then. <laughs> like, that's my that's my point. Like, don't... Like, you lose, lose to Bournemouth away. Oh, big, oh, yeah, we just need that big team mentality. And then about three weeks later, lose to Cardiff away. Yeah, we're still looking at that big team mentality. <laughs> and then we go to Tottenham and win. It's like, see, that's the big team... No, like... The first time I heard it, maybe the second or third time, I was like, I like this. Yeah, This is, is the is manager. Just like I said before the break, this this is the manager that we needed at this football club, mm. given the stadium move. And then suddenly, as the season wore on, I was like, I'm not seeing a big team mentality. I'm seeing a team that's just, just consistently inconsistent, which we're used to. Is it just marketing speak? Is it rubbish? Because it sounds really good and it's easy to see why we would respond to it positively. But when you actually apply a bit of pressure to the phrase itself, what does it mean? I, I Sorry, James, I don't think it is just marketing. But what speak. does it mean? Well, it, no, what it means it is means, that... It means what it, what it means. It means exactly what it says. It means that, we win, like Everton used but, to do. It means but we how do they wi- get it? I mean, where's it coming in from? Can Pellegrini bring that in on the training pitch? Is it a question of player recruitment? It's easy to say big team mentality. How do you bring it's, it about if an, not by winning games? It's an ethos, Johnny. It's, it's an, an ethos. But exactly, yeah. what's an ethos? We're, we're I, I two think, degrees of separation away from blue sky thinking. <laughs> I, think, I think player recruitment is key to that. But the clues in the name is mentality and the player recruitment is key. You know, keeping Zabaleta on for another year, I think, is important to that big team mentality because that guy's won everything in this country. Uh, he knows what it takes to win in a big team. But it's training standards but as well, it's training it? It's standards. literally everything it, about yeah. the club. And that, it, it takes longer than 12 months for that to come. It took longer than 12 months when Man City were bought out and started getting all these superstars in for them to win a trophy, you know. I'm not saying that we're going to ever get anywhere to near the level of Man City, but it, for for a big team mentality like Man City, who have this season gone and done a domestic treble, it was well over a decade after they got bought out. Um, that sort of thing doesn't happen overnight, so yeah. we have to give him time. But at the same time, stop talking about it. Just let, just let it happen. Get it done. You two are never going to agree on this, so we're going to stop talking about it. But I think I think the point's a very good one. And in a sense, you are both right, because it's something that does need to remain in the consciousness of the club. But because it is going to take a while, if he does keep talking about it, although he needs to, he might sound a little bit silly after a couple of results. But James... Focusing on the positives, what's your high from Pellegrini's season? Uh, obviously, there were a few. I think, I mean, it'd be easier to go, oh, the, be- you know, the, the big high was the win at Tottenham's Cheese Factory, but um, <laughs> I keep saying Cheese Factory. I've I, I got a lot of abuse. There's not even a cheese room. I know. We were misinformed. But that's why I keep saying I just write it. It's funny, isn't it? It's funny, yeah. And I got a lot of abuse um, on Twitter last week when I said it. Um, so I'm going to keep saying it because it's brilliant. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think I think one of the best moments, obviously, you know, the home wins against United and Arsenal were good, but the away win at Everton earlier on in the season to end that that uh, four game um, defeat start to the season was a real turning point because he changed the midfield up because a lot of people were moaning that the midfield wasn't right, it didn't have any balance in it. He changed it out three man midfield at a stadium where notoriously we don't do very well at. And um, we got a result. We won 3-1 at Everton. And obviously, as the season wore on, that turned out to be a very, very good result because, okay, Everton were, were equally as inconsistent as we were. But at home, very, very good team. So to go there and win 3-1, I think, was good. And to do it on the back of losing your first four games, I think that was the turning point for us. And um, I think that's probably my most impressive moment this season. Mm. I, I 
just to build on that, that's what I agree with. And I think what's nice, I can just tell over the course of a season, I mean, there has been obviously a few different occasions where we've been winning and seen games out, but it's just nice. They just look so much more professional, i.e. when they've got a 1-0 win. I mean, just remember, under Bilic particularly, but even even the managers after that, but especially towards the end of Bilic's reign and even the season at Upton Park, we'd be in not commanding positions, but we'd be winning. We'd be in winning positions with however 15 minutes left in a game. And we just seem to have a psychological incapability to not concede any late goals. And I just think it just seems so much calmer. when If we're, if we're one new up, Arsenal was a, the prime example. It was, it was one nil, but we were knocking the ball around in their half at the end of the game. And it's that big team mentality. But it is. It's just <laughs> being so, confident when you're one nil up against Arsenal. But not even that. Just Pellegrini having the nous to go. It's all right. We will protect this lead, and we can do it. And they mm. just look more professional. And it's nice. Not. I feel like hardly ever this season I've been screaming at the manager saying, "Why aren't you making this sub?" Where it seems screamingly obvious to everyone in the stadium, apart from the man in charge. And that hasn't happened that much. Mm. It is getting better. You would have thought things will keep getting better under Pellegrini. But coming up, what wasn't so good, and what does he have to do to really kick on? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's Johnny Burrow, Will Pugh and James Jones here on Love Sport Radio for your West Ham fan show. And we're talking Solomon Rondon. He was impressive this season, on loan, of course, from West Brom at Newcastle. He bagged 11 Premier League goals, 7 assists, so bringing others into play as well. We've heard consistent rumours that West Ham want a striker. It's now being suggested it could be him. He's available for the knockdown price of 16.5 million quid. That's because he has a release clause in that deal at West Brom. But he is getting on a bit. He's 29. Is he the right man for West Ham? Well, my initial reaction when I heard the news was, meh. It's just, that's a hard one to get excited about, I think. And I think especially where... If I was thinking of Premier League strikers that we could go for, or strikers with you want Mitrovic, pro- don't I you? do? Yeah, and I, I think if you're, well, let's believe that that could also happen. Mm, you're just, not going to sign both of them, surely? It would seem odd, wouldn't it? They're very similar players. That that will have like we'll have three like bulky, strong centre forwards. We want to play every week as well. Well, yeah, none of those three are going to be happy with a place on the bench at the moment. Yeah, but it just I, I don't know, and that suggests as well that we definitely are getting rid of Perez and. I don't know. I just think that's a really hard one to get excited about. Like you say, he's on loan at Newcastle from West Brom. It's not. It's not like a name that big clubs have been clamouring around. Or you know, when we bought Anderson, well, in. big clubs aren't. And the point you're making about Anderson is a good one, where he's been linked with bigger ones. But you're not going to be the only team in for Rondon. He sh- he hasn't scored well, loads. Well, Wolves are are also Wolves prob- are probably going to activate his Everton sniffing. West Brom want to keep him. By the way, if you were to get drawn into a bidding war, could that be quite damaging in terms of the wages you're going to have to pay? I think. Well, I mean, I think we can discount West Brom. I don't think they're going to be able to keep him. You know, having having not made the playoff final, then they're still going to be in the championship. He doesn't want to play in the championship. He's proved himself this year in the Premier League because I think I know it was only eleven goals, but I think he. He had like eight or nine assists. It was for Newcastle as well, um, wasn't it? Yeah, so, you know, fair play to him. I think he's a good player. I think he could potentially add something to us. But I think whether we sign him or not should only rely, uh, rely on whether we keep Arnautovic or not. I think him and him and Arnautovic in the same team. And I read a report today that potentially you know, Pellegrini's thinking of playing both of them together. That doesn't work for me. It doesn't work. Why not? Would they be stepping on each other's toes? Well, I think so. They, I mean, I know, I know Amish has got a little bit more pace, but they're very, they're a very similar build, um, very similar strikers. I just think that you know maybe Pen- uh, Arnautovic is a little bit leaner and has got a little bit more pace about him. But you know, you can imagine like Rondon and Arnautovic. You know, if you're a defender, you'd be pretty frightened. But if you're a goalkeeper, perhaps not so much. You know, I just, I just don't, I don't see the logic in bringing a player in. Who's, who's very, very similar to Arnautovic and then keeping Arnautovic. But then I wouldn't be happy if we were to bring him in and then and then sell Arnautovic because you, you're you not replacing Arnautovic there with, with a player. That's like a downgrade, Ron. isn't it? It yeah. is a downgrade. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if he's if he's coming in to, you know, at 29, he's to be 30 in September. Uh, if he's coming in to, you know, 
be be a backup or you know or you know deputise for Arnautovic, then okay for sixteen and a half million quid you'd be happy. But you're right, Johnny, you're right that you know with all the other clubs, Wolves are interested, Everton are interested, um, Newcastle are desperate to keep him, but Mike Ashley won't pay the money. Uh, apparently Rondon's waiting to make his decision depending on what Rafa's going to do which they're still waiting on his decision because he likes playing under Rafa so the chances are we might even get him um, and I don't either way it'll be as you said a mere sort of signing in the end and even though 16 and a half million quid probably does represent value if you've only got 40 million and it, there isn't a smokescreen, and it genuinely is that for your budget. That's quite a big chunk on a potential backup striker. Yeah, I'm still wary about... I think what's important to remember that £40 million is the plus players sales bit, because I do think we're going to offload... What will we get? 15 for Obiang? Realistically. If you just look at it from a striker's perspective, just from, from for Rondon, I mean, we'll probably get 10 or 12 for Hernandez. And then yeah. maybe one or two for for Lucas Perez. So that's almost sixteen and a half million quid. I think we'll get more than that for Perez. We're I don't only, think we only paid four and a half yeah, for him. I so think you'd be able to offload him for eight million quid somewhere, I would I would have said. I think you make a profit on him. It might not be astronomical, but as a percentage, I mean, you'd probably double your money. If on we him. do then, I mean Ch- Chicharito will go for at least Ten just for shirt sales alone and that wacky orange haircut. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and suddenly we've got Rondon's already paid for. So then suddenly it's like, well, okay, well, no real harm in bringing him in if we can get him. You know, he's proven in the Premier League. But is there a worry? And I'm not just touching on the point Will made here of him and Mitrovic stepping on each other's toes. Is there a worry that if you sign one striker, you're not going to sign another? We're hearing other links. We're hearing Mitrovic. We're hearing Maxi Gomez. Would you feel a little bit conned as fans if the club went, there you go, there's your striker, Rondon? Yeah, I would. After, after all those names you mentioned there, Maxi Gomez was one I sort of got really excited about and it looks like, because you know, dragged our feet a little bit on that one, there's conflicting reports as to whether whether he'll line up in a claret and blue shirt next season or not. But yeah, certainly, Johnny, I think if we got to the end of the window and depending on, you know, who leaves but if we got to the end of the window and the the only incomer we'd had was Rondon after we'd been linked with all those names it does feel like a you know worst of a good bunch I I don't think Pellegrini will will stand for that happening I think you know he's going to be saying to David Sullivan I need a squad that I know can compete for Europe because that's what you want if that's what you want, then you need to back me and get the players that me and uh, Husilos need. And if if we're going to sell Chicharito and, and Lucas Perez and only bring in Rondon as a replacement to do this with two strikers, it, it, Pellegrini, he's not going to stand for that. So I, I reckon there's more to it. I think maybe Rondon and perhaps another, um, if those two players leave. Um, we're still not sure whether Arnie will stay or go. We don't really know yet. We're led to believe that the club are confident he will stay. Would you rather have Arnautovic or Rondon? Arnautovic all day long. Yeah, a thousand percent. All day Arnautovic, long. Yeah, not even a question. Yeah. So, is there any point in selling Arnautovic and bringing in Rondon if Arnautovic would be happy I, to I think, stay? I think that's that's different though, because I think if Arnautovic goes, then they'll spend. Because if he goes, we're getting forty, forty-five million quid for him, like minimum. Then we spend big on a striker. But, but yeah. I, I just think you know, I, I think. Although we're we're kind of expecting, you know, not like for like replacements, but you know, sell Chicharito and Lucas Perez and bring in at least one better better striker. That's, yeah, you think hope. it's just typical of us, given how many over all the years, you know, we want a marquee striker. The club's going, we're going to buy a market, we're going to spend marquee signing. It's going to be a striker, and all we got was Chicharito, who, bless him, just didn't didn't get a real proper chance at the club, and then we ended up with Rondon, and it's going to be like we're back to square one again. Everyone was excited about Chicharito. I remember at the time he was the marquee striker sign yeah, that everyone it. asked for, and it made it, it felt like it was going to be. Right. But yeah, he, at the time everyone was excited, weren't they? When when Chicharito signed on the dotted line, everyone's like, "Oh, this is going to be great!" Like huge name, played for Man United, doing bits at Leverkusen, Real Madrid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think it seems a bit of an easy an easy thing to say, Johnny. But with this summer, I just think whatever we might talk about who we might bring in or who we're going to sign I think we almost need to get our outgoings sorted before 
before we worry about who to bring in because really we've we've got a, a squad that's foolish there anyway. I know we've had a few injuries this year, but we've got a foolish squad. Yeah, and I think all of these conversations really, like you said about the what if Arnautovic goes, how much money we'd get. It really is all dependent on who who leaves the club, and I think that we need to get that sorted beforehand. Well, when we're talking about exits, we've got some breaking news into the studio, which is that the leader of the House of Commons, Andrea Leadsom, has resigned. That's because I suspect it was looking like Prime Minister Theresa May might resign herself this evening. We're now hearing reports that that probably won't happen. She's set to meet the leader of the 1922 committee, Sir Graham Brady, on Friday. Obviously, if that happens, she's not going to quit today. And I suspect that Leadsom isn't all that happy about it. More news as we get it. But to more important matters and a certain Spanish schema. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio, where we're performing our civic duty of running you through all of the potentially underwhelming Premier League signings the Hammers are being linked with. We've done Salomon Rondon. Next up, Victor Camarasa, who of course has been a key man for Cardiff this season as they got relegated immediately back to the Championship. Would you be excited by the prospect of this signing? I think it's difficult to get excited over a player who's played for Cardiff last season, first of all, because they haven't. There's very few players in in their team really, nor any of the other relegated teams, bar Mitrovic, I would say. Some of Fulham's younger talents, but there's very few who you would sort of wake up in the morning and go, "Ah, oh, now Cardiff have gone down. I can't wait to scavenge over all of their <laughs> all of their prize assets." However, saying that, there's a, a friend of mine is a Cardiff fan and I work with him as well. And in the office, there was a big heated row the other day when we were doing uh, Premier League Team of the Year. For he out, wasn't for, arguing no, no, there no. should be a single for, Cardiff on, player in there. For it? outside of the top six teams. Okay. And he was absolutely going through the roof that no one was considering Camarasa just because we've got relegated he's by far the best player right well that's nonsense and that that is clearly nonsense because if you look at the statistical contribution that Camarasa has made he just doesn't deserve to be there that said I actually think he's a really handy player and I'm more than happy to be argued with here but I think your Cardiff supporting mate will makes a decent point there where I think we do have a problem as football fans and as football media outlets as well where I think in the same way that Mark Noble perhaps would get England caps if he played for a Chelsea or a Spurs we look down on players who play for unfashionable clubs and actually if Victor Camarasa were pulling the strings at Bournemouth we would probably be more impressed by him. He had a spell out of the team, which, as I understand it, was actually related to the tragic situation with Emiliano Sala. Various players were finding it quite difficult to deal with, understandably, on a psychological level. But as soon as he was back in that side, dangerous from set pieces, he loves a screamer, scored big goals against the likes of Arsenal. I actually think he's quite a handy player. I think... I can understand why a lot of people might be looking at this and going, oh, you know, it's a typical West Ham transfer room. It's very underwhelming. But I think we, just because Cardiff were relegated and he was in that team. But I think we have to be careful with that mindset. You know, we, we need a big team mentality here, guys. <laughs> and uh, look at look at the way Liverpool plucked uh, Andy Robertson off of Hull when they went yeah. down. Eight million quid. Mental. Uh, Best left back when we were relegated in 2003. I was just going to say that, yeah. Uh, Chelsea came calling for Joe Cole. Uh, six months later, Tottenham came calling for Jermaine Defoe. Michael Carrick left Carrick a year left later. Well, Glenn Johnson went to Chelsea that summer. Uh, Paolo De Canio. Yeah, left. Charlton picked up the Canio. Yeah, yeah, Charlton picked up the Canio. Um, like, just because the team goes down doesn't mean to say all oh, their players are rubbish. There are one or two, and in our case, pretty much the entire 11, uh, that were pretty good. Uh, and that can still do a job in the Premier League in a better team. And, okay, Camarasa might be one of those players. Um, he was just playing in, the, in a poor football team under a poor manager. Um, and, you know, he, he could do a job for us. You know, I like the fact he's good at, you know, he's quite dangerous at set pieces. He could be good, but only only at a reasonable price for me. I don't, I, I can't imagine Raul Betis would be that, that willing, given the season he had. Um, he's got to, a release to let him clause. Go. As, as I understand it, he has a release clause, and it's fairly large, but it's not massive. Because Cardiff were looking at signing him permanently if they stayed up, and it's a, 
currently 13 million quid. 13 million, that's not large at all. No. I mean, I'd snap, I'd snap the rounds off for it then. Well, there's talk of Adrian going to a Real Betis, isn't there? It's just straight swap. Back home. Yeah, he's got to be worth 13 million. Oh, no, but- so Cardiff are offering 13. The release clause is roughly 23, which is a rather <sighs> a different kettle of fish. It's a bit more. It's, it's a, a lot of sticking money. point. I mean, it's more than what we paid paid Stoke for now, Rich. Yeah. No, it is a lot of money, but it was just funny. Just having a look there, Johnny. Camaras has been directly involved in nine goals for Cardiff this season. They only scored 34. So he scored five, four assists. He's been directly involved in nearly a third of their team's goals. Quick the team, he, quick it is quick maths. And, <laughs> and he was getting subbed off, subbed on. That's it. And he's in a team surrounded by, obviously, because they went down, you know, weaker players. Mm. And. Neil Warnock style football doesn't lend itself to to talented, skillful, technical footballers necessarily, does it? So you know there is a call for if he's playing in a team surrounded by better better players, less attention from opposition, and playing for a manager who might play to his strengths a bit. Not too bad of a shout at all, after all. I think also we signed uh, on out of it from Stoke when they went down. Mm. Look what he did. Yeah, that that's another very good point. So, swings and roundabouts. I think the view on Camarasa is quite clear, which is he's quite a handy footballer. I don't think there is an argument to be made there. But the relevant question for West Ham isn't, is he decent? It's not even, is he worth 23 million quid? The real question is, does he offer us anything we don't already have? I think he does. Um, although, you know, I can understand a lot of fans going to say underwhelming and we should be going for better than that, you know. At the end of the day, we we need central midfielders. Carlos Sanchez, you know, write him off. I think you know he's thirty four. I think so. I mean, write him off. Um, Jack Wilshere again, write him off. Um, who else have we got in midfield there? That uh, Sammy Nasri is going to be let go. Well, we find that out next week when they do the 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 retain list. list. Yeah. Um, so suddenly we've just got Mark Noble and Declan Rice. And as we all know, and Mark Noble's even hinted at it, that you know, he hasn't got many years left playing at the very top, um, as much as we'd have loved him to be there forever. Um, and Declan Rice has got that, got that spot nailed down until he leaves the club, whenever that may be. So we need players in that position. And if he's going to cost... I know 23 million sounds like a lot, but Pedro Obiang's going. I'd, I'd, I'd consider it. Yeah, I'd, I think definitely. I think there's no... 20, 23 million. The only thing I was thinking then, as we were saying it, would is would anyone else pay that amount of money for him? Apparently, Wolves are interested. Is that just going to be the theme of this summer, do you reckon? Anyone we're into, it's just so are Wolves and everything. Well, I, I tell mean, you what, Wolves f- will be linked with everyone because they know who's behind Wolves. Yeah. Mm. And, and Wolves it. are looking to make a statement, and James is absolutely spot on. Wolves are going to be linked with everyone to such an extent that they, even on BBC Sport, I've seen them linked with Gareth Bale. Okay, well. And you just think, right, okay, I know Wolves have got money. I know there's a Georges Mendes link. I know they're looking to make a statement. But Gareth Bale. Probably pushing he, he it bank, a bit, that He'd one. bankrupt them in a week. <laughs> would wages. he? Would he bankrupt them? They've, like, got, quite like, they've, big... they've got money, but they haven't got 600 grand a week money. No, that, that's probably true. I so... think, yeah, we are going to see them expecting Wolves to just be throwing money around. West Ham presumably won't be doing that on quite the same scale, but we are seeing lots of links emerging. We talked about one striker already in the form of Arnautovic. We'll come on to another in the form of Maxi Gomez later in the show. Those are both, of course, well-known names for fans of British football, certainly European football. These are guys who've been in the limelight for a while. West Ham are also being linked with a certain Wesley Marais, who is playing his domestic football in Belgium. What do you make of him? He's 22. Uh, he's a Brazilian lad. He's not capped for the team. He's got 30 goals in 99 league appearances in the Belgian Pro League. Would you have him? I don't know enough about him. You know, I, I was reading these links today and Apparently, Pellegrini likes him, and you know there's this real belief that you know this is a player that could could become a bit of a star. But I don't I don't know enough about him to to really comment further than you know I only trust I, tr- I trust Pellegrini's judgment, put it that way. But I don't know enough about him to really go get really excited about it. You know, mm. he got ten in twenty five in Belgium this year. There's a significant detail here, which again he's a very large man. He's six foot three. 
Who are the strikers we're seeing you link with? Maxi Gomez is a little fella. But do we think that the fact that Moraes and, of course, Rondon are both being linked and our larger gentlemen, whether or not they're actually going to sign for the club, does this imply that you are in for, want of a better word, a lump? Carroll's going and he needs another second option. Perhaps. Perhaps. It it does seem peculiar. I just think he likes that Arnautovic style. And I think it's important under the style of football that Pellegrini plays to have that all-rounder striker. It's a bit physical. That's yeah. it. And he I went honestly, for Negredo, didn't he, at City, who's a similar kind of bulky but still dynamic it. Exactly. Forward. Like Exactly. Same as Arnautovic, ticks all those same boxes. Big enough to win a ball in the air, can hold the ball up, can play on his own, but can also run the channels. Drop off, finish. It just just do like do a bit of an Alan Shearer, just do a bit of everything. But the the one thing I do like about um the Wesley Morais link is that he goes he just goes as a few Brazilians do, he just goes by Wesley. And that normally means that players are good, doesn't it, if they just go by one name. <laughs> well, you say that, but do you remember Joe at Man City? He was oh, very good. He was great on football manager, but rubbish in real life. I always object to this, by the way, because I know that players should be able to have whatever they want on their shirts, and we do see English players do this very, very rarely. And I also know that Brazilians do this because they have incredibly long and complex names, often involving, not in every case, but often involving the phrase De Silva. In- <laughs> Wesley Moraes Ferreira De Silva is his full name. There, there we go. There there we go. I'm not saying it's everyone, but if they all went by De Silva, it would be quite tricky to pick the national team, wouldn't it? But it would be so odd if we started doing that in England. Imagine the West Ham team lining up and you've got... Just full of marks. Yeah, just, <laughs> just Robert. Mark in yeah. central midfield. Mark, Robert. I always think of Bex walking out for England. David, what? <laughs> Do you reckon that's what it's like for Brazilians? It sounds really boring and parochial. And for all of us, all of the Robinho, which of course is little Robin, which to us sounds so sophisticated and South American, to them they're going, why doesn't he go by his proper name? <laughs> exactly. You know the most ridiculous one in the league, though, who does that is Delhi. Delhi yeah. Ali, putting Delhi on his shirt. Well, so I think the, with these players, dad, yeah. It? So this is, I think this is a situation which is similar with Memphis Depay, who puts Memphis on his shirt, which often is, as James says, where if you've had a bit of a disagreement with your dad, often, often think, doesn't I work. Think, uh, allegedly, the, the Delhi thing is because the moment he made it, um, it's been reported that his dad suddenly went, "Oh, I want to know you now." Mm. And I think, allegedly I think Memphis supposedly had a similar experience yeah, think, so yeah. these are complex situations you'd have thought that hasn't happened to every Brazilian in the history <laughs> of world football you can imagine but there we go <laughs> I, what, who is the finest Brazilian who just goes by a first name in your opinion Ronaldo R9 Variety. Fat Ronaldo. Oh, I wasn't sure if we were allowed that. You're allowed Fat Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think he's well known. He yeah. knows it as well. Have a look at him. I think I think it's probably fair enough. Is he the greatest for you as well, James? Oh, he's got to be. Well, oh, Ronaldinho. Ronaldinho is certainly up there. R9 is better than Ronaldinho, definitely. Have a word. Nah, definitely. Do you think we look differently on Ronaldinho now? Because I remember in the sort of 2004, 2005, everyone was talking about Ronaldinho as the finest kind of winger come attacking midfielder you could conceive of. And because he was not just replaced by Messi, he was immediately replaced by Messi at the same club. Do you think we forget how good he was? We, I think we do. Um, I think where R9 is concerned, like probably one of the best finishers in world football that we'll ever see, ever. I mean, great finisher, but in terms of an all-round footballer, um, in terms of getting the closest to Messi, Ronaldinho. I think if any of us were a bit older, Pelé might come into the conversation. We're not not that old. (laughs) I mean, I might be a little bit older than you guys, but no, I'm not that old. Would you have any of those lads at West Ham now? I'm not talking in their prime. I'm talking Ronaldinho approaching his late 30s. Yes or no? Just, <laughs> just an option off the It would be a bench. typical West Ham signing, yeah, wouldn't it? Exactly, oh, look, yeah. look who we just signed. We've got Nazri and Wilshere. They're basically <laughs> English and French versions of him. Imagine. Get Ronaldinho in just for the shirt sales. This is Love Sport.
You are listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burry and Will Pugh and James Jones of West Ham World. And we are talking potential Hammers signings. We talked about big fees of potential 23 million quid for Victor Camarasa from Betis, 16 and a half for Rondon. But there are, of course, players and Premier League players, no less, who will be available on free transfers in the summer. One of them is Danny Sturridge, who at his best, when he stays in form and crucially stays fit, is lethal. He could come into the club, but there have been comments made, namely by John Walters on Five Live last night, that might suggest that Danny Sturridge isn't quite up for a scrap. Let's hear what Walters had to say. Whether Liverpool want to keep him on uh, on a low wage, and I think he needs to go and play, and whether he has that desire to play, um, because... Was he went off to West Brom, didn't he? He went off to West Brom, didn't really play, got injured, didn't sort of play towards the end of the season. It's, it's that question, how much does he want it? And there's question marks been asked about Daniel Sturridge over the years of, of managers saying, oh, it's a little niggle and, and then he misses a game and yet he's training in the week the week after. And sometimes as a player, it's, it's, it's how much you'll put yourself through. Little injuries, and if you feel a little niggle and you want to just come off and... Uh, and not put yourself through it and you need to be 100% to play a game because uh, as a player you're never 100% but some players will want to be 100% and miss those games and the club sort of gets to the point where they've had enough and I John, mean, what did you think of that comment Klopp made about him where he said uh, he needs to learn what, what real pain is I mean, that seems astonishing from a manager to say that It does but it speaks volumes mm. um, Now if, you, if your manager's saying that and someone like Klopp who doesn't really say come out and say anything like that and that's the, that's the point I was touching on and it's all gossip more than anything but you hear off players and we had certain players that played with him and would say he won't be fit at the weekend um, and I'm questioning him now but this is just what I've heard he won't be playing at the weekend guarantee it watch he'll come off and whatever those players said was always right and there was a reason they were saying it as well but then he was available for games that Potentially, he'd do a lot better. So, if your manager's coming out and saying things like that, it's, it is questioning your character a little bit. Um, now, I'm not one. I don't know him personally, so I've never played with him. I'm just saying what players have told me about him. Um, but if your manager's saying it, as I said, it, 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 it says a lot, really. That was Jonathan Walters speaking on Five Live last night. What do you make of his comments? He's basically suggesting, and he's been quite careful because he doesn't want to go in on another pro, but he's basically saying Danny Sturridge is a bottle job. He gets a tiny little injury and he doesn't fancy it. He's very happy to play in the easy games, but if his ankle hurts a bit and he's playing against the big boys, he's not up for a scrap. Do you buy that? It sounds like you wanted to say a lot more than he, than, yeah. than he could there. I mean, he, he paused a few times, you know, he was like, okay, am I going to say this? Um, he nearly went full Stoke, didn't he? He did, yeah. And <laughs> do you know what? I think, you know, when you've got a player like that who's played with him or played slightly with him, um, you have to you have to wonder whether whether what he said is, has some truth in it. And it's a shame because this is a player that, when he was at Liverpool that year, they almost won the title. Fantastic! What, what a player! And and then suddenly it's all. I mean, I think he did have he did have a serious injury, and then after that, I don't know. I don't know what's happened, but it's either what Jonathan Walters said it isn't true, and he, he is injured um, constantly now. He's got similar injury problems to most of West Ham's team, or you know, or or he is just bottling it a little bit and just going, you know, I don't really want to play. You know, cause don't forget a lot. Some some players out there, and I'm not I'm not accusing Daniel Sturridge of being one of these players, but there are players out there that earn so much money that just probably just think, well, I don't really care whether I play or not. You know, what Walters was implying there, that's not new. These are rumours that have been around for quite yeah, a while yeah. about Danny Sturridge, so perhaps there are legs in it. As Walter said, he doesn't know him personally. I don't either, but he does spend a lot of time on that injury list. Whether or not he's a bit of a hypochondriac, because we've got two options. He either doesn't fancy it or he's a crock. Either way, he's available on a free and at his best, as James points out, he's a fantastic striker, but would that put you off having him at West Ham? I think yes, primarily, but not just that. I think it's about time at our club that we saw a change in mentality when it comes to recruitment and a big team mentality. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it is about time because all we've had 
we seem to do for the last, you know, however many years it's been. I think Lundberg was probably like the flagship signing of that, where we just get players <laughs> who've got nothing oh, left to prove. as an Arsenal fan, Lord above. Honestly, just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Lundberg, Kieran Dyer, uh, I'm Zabaleta less so, he's actually been all right. Do you know what? Chicharito, Nasri. before you go on, uh, Kieran Dyer, I've, he broke his leg in his second appearance for us. Mm. So you can kind of forgive him a little bit for, for struggling afterwards. Yeah. No, I, I, all right. I'll, forgive me for him. But what I mean is just players at the end of their career with nothing else left to prove. Wayne it, Bridge. Oh, exactly. Like we've just had enough of that. <laughs> this want, is a who's who. This. It is ridiculous. <laughs> we've had so many, Johnny. It's not even funny. I just want more players. You've seen it this year. Diop. Rice been two of our best players and they're young they're hungry they still want something to prove so and would it, you be of the opinion that if a player is available on a free if he's been released by another Premier League club there's a reason for that and you should probably steer clear not I mean well not always but on, I just think it, it, it's age is, is such a huge thing now and it, we need more players in the team who are hungry and just have got that desire still and got stuff left to prove and even if that means we become a bit of a stepping stone club you know what I almost wouldn't mind if I heard that Pellegrini was sitting down with players and going look come to West Ham spend three or four years here and if you smash it then you could be playing for Chelsea, Man United, Man City, whatever, in a few years' time. I wouldn't actually mind if it meant that we were doing some bits on the pitch. No, do you know what? I, I completely agree, 100%, because you know, as much as we don't like them, and we've, we've made it very, very clear, uh, particularly in recent weeks, Tottenham, that their success is built on young, hungry footballers. You know, Look at Harry Kane, Deli Alley, um, Harry Winks in midfield, who's, who's a good, good footballer. Uh, you know, Christian Eriksen arrived there when he was young. So many young footballers that have arrived at that football club and and turned that team around. Okay, you know, Daniel Levy's had you know he's had a part to play in it. Pochettino's had a part to play. Redknapp started it all off for him. But it, their core team was built on young, hungry footballers, and that showed. I mean, they're in a Champions League final in in ten days' time. I mean, what more do you want as evidence that you know we, going to the old you know the the players that had one or two good seasons at a big club three or four years ago isn't the answer. Players that have been injured for the majority of their careers but had one or two good seasons isn't the answer. We need to go for young, hungry players. Unknown players like Diop, great example. Mm. Great, okay, cost twenty million quid, but we could get eight, you know five or six times more than that in three or four years' time. And I think you touched on it there with Tottenham. They're a great example because. They must, every conversation they have with a new player that comes in, all they have to do is point at Bale and Modric. Bale, yeah, there's another one. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But they just have to point at them two and go, look, come to us. If you do well and you've got something to prove, you could be playing for Real Madrid in five years' time. Mm. And I would be more than happy with that if those players gave West Ham four or five years of proving themselves, which dragged the club up with them. That Bale example is superb. And there's another point there, which is that it's not just about signing these highly rated young kids. It's about giving them time because they spent a lot of money on Bale. When he turned up, they didn't win a game with him in the team for something ludicrous like 30 games. It became a running joke and they were mocked widely for spending big money on Bale. They were patient and look where he ended up. Quite impressive stuff. Neither of you were going in big for the big-name player coming towards the end of his career. I've identified a list of potential free signings this summer from other Premier League clubs. I've left Ander Herrera off there because it's not happening. I want Which is a shame. I'll take Which him. is a shame because he's, he's a wonderful footballer. Won't happen. I need a yes or a no on all of these. I'll be interested if there's anyone you would take. So, as things stand, these guys will all be available. Arta Burrich from Bournemouth. Don't need him. Nah. Nah. I would take him as a sub, but nah. 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 No. Next. Okay. Monreal from Arsenal. No. Hate him. Hate, hate hate's with, a really strong with, word, Will. Quite a, a handy player. What, can, why can, do you hate him? Uh, what did he do a, to you? Uh, just, he, he's got to be the biggest diver the world has ever known. Oh, ever. come off it. He's good uh, as a, good as a uh, left back sorry. in a four, can play as a centre back in a three. Did you say biggest diver? Diver, yeah. Every what, single worse time. Worse than I, Mo Salah? Honestly, he's, uh, honestly, worse than Wil- Wilfred Zaha? He's ridiculous. And he so get, goes under the radar so often. I think you start me on saying Would you have my yes or no? Um, back up. Not over Masuaku. <laughs> Shut up about Masuaku. <laughs> Peter Crouch. Definitely not. No in a thousand years. He spent most of his time recording a podcast and he went on the pitch. <laughs> okay, so no to Peter Crouch. Here's one you might consider. Gary Cahill. 
No. Back up. No, so I'd take thing. him if he accepted like really low wages because he's he's probably on a fair wedge at Chelsea, isn't he? I'd take him just because of his experience. Um, before you go on, you know, after all those players that we signed, you know, all these old players with great experience, Pablo Sabaleta is the exception to the He's role. the best one, isn't The it, best yeah. one we've ever had. Definitely. Definitely. But, but go, go on. Yeah, who's next? Okay, who's next on my list? I can offer you Jonas Lossel from Huddersfield. No. Nope. Don't need him. No. Nope. Okay, and Antonio Valencia. Ooh. You need a right back. Oh, it's a tough You know one. what? There's something about him. I don't think we do need a right back, though. Well, you do if you're deciding that Zabaleta's passed it, which is something no, no, we're no, coming no. on to. Fredericks is your main man. Yep. Um, I think he's he, he, mentor. He, I think he nailed down that position to the end of the season. Zabaleta's the mentor. I mean, what, what is, where does that leave Antonio Valencia? Mm. The, men, the, the mentor's mentor. <laughs> no, I do I like Valencia I'd actually half consider because there's something about him. You he's can play him on a wing, I suppose. Yeah. No, I'd, but it's something about his attitude. He's always liked... He's always seemed to me like he's always putting his all in. He was never any trouble. I just a bit like Zabaleta, where I just assumed that he was quite. He was just the consummate professional at all times mm. and would continue to be. So Valencia's a maybe. It, it does bother me a little bit that we're talking about potentially signing a player that cut his cloth at Wigan, and um, I'm not. He fan was of, good at Wigan. I don't like was. Wigan. He was great to I watch. Don't at like Wigan. Wigan. I, I don't understand, as a broader point, I don't understand what has happened in the modern game of exciting attacking players going to Manchester United and ending up as wing-backs. I'm right back. not having it. Ashley Young <laughs> at Aston Villa, fantastic player, great to watch. Antonio Valencia, who is this little Ecuadorian popping up with screamers for Wigan, turns up at United. Sorry, Antonio, you're playing at right-back. Boring as sin. As one last name as a potential free agent, our producer's plucked it out of thin air. It's a long shot. He's confident. I'm giving him his moment. Juan Mata. Yes, all day long. I'll take him tomorrow. I'm not... Uh, he, he's he's waving at me. Yes. Right. Yes, I was never yes, arguing yes. you wouldn't take him. I was arguing with respect that he might not have West Ham particularly high on his list. Why not? Seems a bit of a weird thing to say, Johnny. Would you pick West Ham or PSG? West Ham. <laughs> I'm t- I keep forgetting which fan show is this again don't go anywhere <laughs> this is Love Sport it's the West Ham fan show here on Love Sport Radio you're with me Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World and we're breaking down West Ham's potential transfer signings this summer the next name is one that's been linked for a while Maxi Gomez Celta Vigo's Uruguayan 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 striker he's got 13 goals in La Liga this season he looks lively rumours of a £43 million deal but we're now hearing that Spurs could be interested as well does that change the picture? I think first of all um, I don't know where Uruguay is I'm not sure (laughs) I'm going home sorry Johnny but um, no I think I think ultimately the the question would remain. I think we could both offer him similar amounts of money. And I think you touched on it earlier, Johnny. You hit the nail on the head where really it's just down to him. It's the same city. He's going to be moving and living in the same sort of area, doing the same sort of stuff, whichever club he goes to. But like you say, does he want to sit on the bench? No one goes into Tottenham thinking they're going to oust Harry Kane. And that's, no. that's not going to change in the summer. That's not going to change next season. He's a biggest played, paid player by a million miles. Um, so if I was him, it would just come down to his desire to, to play football because Lorente came out, didn't he, quite recently and made a few comments about, oh, you know, I decided that when I came to Tottenham, I'd have to change my mentality, etc., etc. So, or you just thought, oh, that'd be a decent payday and I'll hardly ever have to play. And I think Gomez, if he wants to come over and prove himself in the Premier League, which a lot of people will, because, you know, he's sort of, uh, he's n- not the right at the end of his career. He's still got a lot to prove and a lot of years to, to do bits for want, of a, for want of a better phrase. And I think it would it'd almost be silly not to come and stamp your mark on on the Premier League with a team like us where he would be the sole the sole focal point I, I see this from both sides if if we're both in for him West Ham and Tottenham and he chooses Tottenham don't blame him Champions would, you, League, would you not though no I, I don't blame him Champions, Champions League finalists they'll be in the Champions League again next year top four club uh, potential title challengers but he'll be on the outside. bench yeah 
Yeah, but it's 2019. Footballers' mentalities rarely work like that anymore. I don't think. I think it's it's all about what what you what can you achieve at that football club. I don't think it's about personal achievements. I think there are very few players in the game that go on personal achievements. Harry Kane being one of those players, um, who who is just in it for him, and that's it. Um, but then at the same time, you know. It, if he wants to play football, he's just got to look at Tottenham and look at Vincent Janssen, who was just smashing it up in, in Holland. Tottenham signed him, and uh, no one knows where he is these days. I mean, I know he was on the bench against us, and I think he came off the bench, didn't he? Didn't do anything. Yeah, well, he nearly scored, didn't he? Yeah, right but he didn't, didn't do anything. And, um, yeah, I just think I think if, if you're a striker going at a football club and you're young and hungry probably not the best best thing to do is go to Tottenham while Harry Kane's still at the football club. Vincent Janssen is the perfect example of that. Um, whereas at West Ham, okay, we might be able to offer him the same amount of money, but he's got the opportunity to become a become a you know a cult hero and a hero at the football club and, would dri- he be the and drive main man? the club. Dri- yeah, I think he would be. If you're going to spend 45 million quid on a play, he has to be the main man like Anderson was this year. Played every single game apart from one, I think. Um, has to be the main man. And I think, you know, he's he would have the opportunity at the football club to, to really help drive our ambition forward. Uh, the ambition is to get into Europe, you know, to, to, to break into the top six. He, Him and the likes of Philippe Anderson will be the benchmark signings for that ambition. But at the end of the day, you know, as, as Will's rightly said, you know, it's up to him whether, whether he wants to do is, is it a footballing decision or is it a lifestyle decision? Right, Will Pugh. Let's imagine for a moment that you are on West Ham's recruitment team. You're sitting down with Maxi Gomez. You've got one minute to convince him that he should sign for West Ham and shouldn't sign for Tottenham. What's your pitch? Well, first of all, Maxi, other than the fans being a lot better, which I'm sure you've been able to establish from watching the Premier League over any of the past 10, 15, 20, 25 years... That, that's the first thing. If that's not enough for you, then I'm not sure if you're the sort of player we want at the club anyway. However, all you have to do is just look at the last result between the two clubs. The better team clearly won. The away fans outsung the home fans for the entire game. You've got Mikel Antonio scored one of the goals of his life. Absolutely bullied the Tottenham defenders. You saw the adulation that he got from the away fans at the end of the game. And you too can have a piece of that if you really want to. Um, also, I'd just like to note that I would have said all that in Spanish, obviously, <laughs> for uh, for Max. <laughs> and you'd also have offered him a cup of tea first. Oh, no, no doubt. Yeah, well, James would have gone and got that for him. <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. Oh, what, I'm suddenly your little tea, tea boy. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. I'm trying to convince players to join the club and you're just I'll making the coffee. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. right, OK, well, James Jones, get the kettle on, because coming up, you've got to convince a new right back as well. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Will Pugh of West Ham World. West Ham also looking to strengthen in the wing-back positions this season. And one man they're being linked with is Andre Almeida. What do you make of him? He's no Hugo Almeida, is he? Um, I don't know. He's no Hugo Perforio either. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah, I do remember him. What a player. Um, no, I, when I saw West Ham link with Almeida, I got a little bit excited because I think Hugo Almeida is quite a good little player. But Andre Almeida? I'm not, not sure if they're relations, but I just think it's oh, weird. It's a story about a right back. I think that's one of the few positions in the squad where I think we're all right. Just signed Zabaleta up again. I think, as we said about Fredericks, he's played his way into that team, hasn't he? Can you Do you really see the point? We've got, we've got back up there as well. I think in, in the youth setup as well. I just I don't see. Yeah, I mean I agree with you. I don't see any reason why, especially if our if our transfer kitties is only at forty million. Why we'd go out and spend on a, a position that we don't particularly need? Um, part of me believes that this might just be, uh, just you know. Paper talk. Paper talk. It could easily Appa- be apparent, Apparently Wolves are interested as well. well that's because he's Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, Wolves might end up with everyone that we've been linked with. Um, and Maxi Gomez probably as well. So, I don't know. I, I'm not... That, again, it's another one that doesn't really excite me. It's another one that I don't think th- there is a great deal of truth in as well. If there is, then, you know, hopefully Wolves beat us to it because I just don't think we need to, we need to spend the money on him. 
Yeah, I yeah, totally agree. I just think it just seems a bit of a futile signing, really. I think I'm really comfortable with where we are at as far as right back goes. And which worst, makes a change, really, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. And but worst case, and I probably know where that statement comes from, James, is that we've had times of Antonio playing at right back, and oh. and you know what? That I know, like you say about we've got back up in the youth setup, but we've also got back up in Antonio if necessary. If something catastrophic happened and Zabaleta and Fredericks get injured. We've got Antonio to come in. Oh, I just I just don't see... We've got, we've got young Ben Johnson, who's a left-back, but played superbly at right-back against City away. So, I mean, he could come in if he doesn't go out on loan. And that's what Options. I mean. Yeah, you put him at left-back, Masuaku could play anywhere on that pitch, as we yeah. all know. So, I don't think it really matters at all. Seems futile getting a right-back. Might it be an example of a club looking at an area of the squad where they don't necessarily need to strengthen, but they're being an offered they're being offered an opportunity that is so good they feel the need to take it. I'm not going to claim to have seen an awful lot of Andre Almeida myself, but he's a guy with eight Portugal caps. He's played over 140 times for Benfica. He's six foot one, so he's a big lad. He can fill in in midfield as well. Might they just be saying, you know what, this is a good seasoned professional we can add to our squad, and he would strengthen us, give us a bit of depth. It depends how much he's going to cost, though. Um, you know, anywhere anywhere north of twelve, thirty million quid and they'll be a little bit like, Well what what was the point of that? Um I get I get the mentality from that you know, from that side, you know, big club mentality, bringing the season professional and all that, but I dunno. I just think that there are other players in the market in, in other positions which we, we should pr- be prioritising. We're hearing that it could be about eight million quid for Almeida. So that is peanuts. Which is in peanuts today's in market. today's market, yeah. And he is an international footballer. What do you reckon? Is it? Do you think it would be a case of looking to not replace Fredericks, but actually bring in someone to take his place in the team? Or is he just there to add a bit of competition? It's something we hear about a lot with keepers. I don't have a first-choice goalkeeper. I'm there providing competition. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe there's if there's legs in the idea that he could provide backup elsewhere on the pitch and that he's a bit more of a utility player... Then, then maybe, but I just that just seems a bit of a peculiar, a peculiar signing. Even if it is for that reason, because we're quite stocked in midfield anyway. Again, I know obviously it depends on our ins and outs, as I've been banging on about for a while now. But we're stocked in midfield as it is, and we're stocked at right back. And if those are his two preferred positions, it just it just seems like what would be the what would be the thinking behind it? Because we're fine in all the positions he would slot into. And I can't see him being that much better than than Fredericks either. No, maybe uh, just a case of excess. You don't need him. What is the point? You are going to be bringing some players in this summer. And if I had to press you both to name one player who you would love to see West Ham sign, we're talking realistically here. I don't want you to turn around and say Lionel Messi. One player, he doesn't need to have been linked already. But if you could make one addition, who would you go for? I think I would go for Mitrovic. I just uh, since I first thought of that, I've really liked the idea of him coming in, and I think he still has something to prove. And I think he done well in a poor Fulham team last year, and I see no reason why he couldn't come to us and give him the platform that he was been hankering afterwards half there for a while now. And I think once he's given that, I think he could really go places. Quite matter. Right. Okay. This is this is nonsense. This is why I did not. We've been linked with him for so so long. We linked him under Billich. Um, under Moyes because Moyes took him to United obvious link to make I, no I think it's, it is a realistic option not Herrera then and Herrera's going world? to PSG what do you mean what world in what world is Juan Mata going to West Ham in what world was Joe Martino signing for Wolves Ruben Neves signing for Wolves it happens yeah no it. I, I suppose so I've just been told in what world is Mata signing for PSG what? I could see it happening the last reports I heard by the way suggested that United want Mata to stay and Mata wants to stay at United well, so obviously, obviously he's a great footballer more chance of Ronaldinho to West Ham I think take him <laughs> I'd have him take him well if Juan Mata does end up at West Ham it'll be a good day for James Jones it'll be a bad day for Will Pugh and it'll be an excellent day for Will Pugh's ex-girlfriend join us next week on the West Ham thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter 
Bancho. Sports Social Podcast Network.